If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> The dreams that you have are screen memories, and the screen memories are created by your own mind to protect you from whatever trauma you had dealt with. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Lisa O'Hara a little bit later, uh, abducted and furious. She's been abducted a few times and not happy about it, I guess. Uh, speaking of abducted and not happy about it, you were almost abducted once too, weren't you, buddy? Never. Never? You never. wish? No, I'm not. Would you like never. to be probed? Well, that's different. Would you <laughs> Would you meet the aliens if it involved a probing and you knew that going in? Yeah, I don't think that would affect my decision. No? No. Would it? Would it maybe help your decision? No. <laughs> I said it wouldn't affect it either way. So the barbecue is a success? Success? Yeah, good job. Yeah, that was fun. We should, yeah. we should give a shout. Well, I didn't make a success. I, I did make the pork belly a success. I will take the credit for that. The pork belly was good, yeah. It was. Brined it overnight. Yeah, Then I cool. did two styles. Nice, yeah. One in the oven and one on the barbecue. Yeah. Next time I would smoke one too, but I just didn't have the time to get set up for that. It'd take about six hours. Is the barbecue one supposed to burn like that a little bit or? Yeah, I wanted it charred a yeah, bit. Okay. It probably yeah. could have been less charred, but then I was just, it was a busy day. Yeah, yeah. Good birthday parties <laughs> yeah. and everything else, so I would have probably like yeah, happy take birthday. that. Like a, Big 40th this week. What? That was last week. Yeah. Did last we not week. talk about that on the show yet? I don't think we did much, really. Uh -huh. yeah, well, I was talking about the kid kiddo's birthday party that I was running her back and forth to during right, the barbecue right, and right. trying to make yeah. pork bellies yeah, and everything yeah. else. But everything's fun out great, so I mean, big shout out to the reverend. I don't know if he gives people his real name, so we'll just call him that. Jasper, reverend in the chats, yeah. The Reverend, Jasper Paul. It was almost a no agenda meetup. Almost. It was a slight no agenda meetup too. Of course, Michael was there. Uh Natasha. Who else? Miles. Miles. And Jason yeah. came later. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I won't say his last name. I said most of his last name. You see if you can figure out the rest. Uh so yeah, it was a hit. And there's a bunch of kids here running around too, having a blast, lining us up for the dance party, which <laughs> nobody danced at. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. What's going on here? I figured it Ruthless. out later. I'm like, oh, they want like a lineup like the club. Like there's a lineup of the club and they're asking people to come in. Like, oh yeah. They want it to seem right? like it's yeah, a like, high end event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Going by birthday. So yeah, turned out great. Great barbecue. We'll have to do another one down the road. Yeah. I'll have to get Michael back on the show soon. It's been a while. Yeah, for sure. Miss Michael. Yeah. I think he's still hiding out in the chats. I think he's black pill cool guy. Oh, he might. <laughs> he's he's still. He's, uh... I think he's in there, yeah. But he has not in there much. But, I mean, it's a busy season for Michael. Yeah. It's spring. Yeah. Dude's got a farm, a yeah. functioning farm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a busy time of year. 
busy doing stuff. My chickens are happy to be running around the yard again. I'm nice. surprised they're not looking in the window, pecking at the glass. They got a crush on Graham. How long? How long have they lived? Got to live? A couple of years still? I think I got another year and a half, or probably by like n- not this winter coming, but yeah. next winter. I'll probably have to think about. They might be too old for the winter. Right. And then do you do you do it like do you proactively end their lives that would or do be, you have to wait? If they wait? Can if you it's wait my and decision. Just find them and eat them? Or? No, you can't, you can't find them and eat no, them. Can't no, do either. That. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know we'll this. see. I mean, it's been a year. I'm not super attached to them. I mean, I wouldn't be, I'm not stoked to go cut their heads off. I mean, but the kids are a little attached to them, but they've been growing less attached to them. You know, as the longer they're around, the more they seem to be like farm animals and the, the kids now come hunting and stuff. So we will see at the end of it if they decide. I, it'll be up to the kids. Oh, that's good. I if like how you kids, give your, I like how you let your kids decide things like that. If they want to kill the chickens, we'll kill the chickens and eat them. And if they don't, we'll just let them die a natural death and cool. throw them in the compost. Yeah. Bed. yeah. And get a couple more. I mean, maybe we'll end up having a couple more before these ones go if we did it like that. I don't know. I mean, by then I, f- I plan to be out of the, out of, I mean, I was in Langdon for the birthday party. Yep. And I noticed over there that you just have chickens game on the birthday party. There had to be 30 fucking chickens in that coop, like wide open. Wow. Right in the middle of town. So I might have to, I mean, I just signed on here for another year. But actually, I don't know. I'm not going to move from here until it's to the country. Yeah. So, but I'd ho- I'm hoping that's within a year or two. So hopefully before these chickens die, I'll be out in the country. I'll just have a bunch of chickens and because they're cheap as shit. So I don't, I mean, I just get like 15 or 20 of them just so I can give all you guys eggs. Cool. At cost. Yeah. So what do you got? That's enough. Well, oh yeah, it was okay. my birthday so birthday we, bash. Yeah, so we uh we fortieth. I'm we, catching yeah, up. Good, good How old are you? Fifty two? Fifty one. Fifty. Are you still only fifty? Still only fifty. This is the year of the decades where you're forty and I'm fifty. So you'll be fifty one July eleventh? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm forty. If you wanna send me something, go to the support page, sign up for a monthly, that'd be super. Yeah. I mean, the best birthday present you could do is sign up for monthly or head over to the new show, sign up for plus. Speaking of that, the outlawed, the new show. So this in this show, we do this intro where before the guest comes on, we ramble, we talk about listener emails and synchronicities and project operations and kind of we have our sort of thing going here. But we try, we're trying to keep it a little bit lighter, a little bit uh, more positive in here. But uh, the next outlawed, the Grimerica outlawed is coming out. Please go and subscribe to that podcast as well. Even if you're not going to go to the plus part of it, the premium feed, but at least get the free app, free thing downloaded. So we get better, we get better, like uh, algorithmic gain and stuff. If we have more listeners to the free show. So Grimerica outlawed. And then, nah, dude, I'm telling you this one that's coming out. I'm telling you the algorithm don't give a fuck because outlawed with its start should have been like the top show on new and noteworthy. Right. And it got, Totally blackball. Right, right off the bat. Nothing. Okay, well. I mean, our- That's like, another reason to just our, subscribe. Our sixth episode got like 7,000 downloads, I would like to think. I mean, we got the one, the old show in New and Noteworthy with like 300 downloads on an episode. Well, yeah. Okay, so that's a whole other reason to- But that episode that was downloaded was titled China and Communism. So. Yeah, and we don't have- and we don't have- and we don't have a YouTube for it anymore because it's already been striked out and it's gone. No, there's one so, strike left. Uh, I'm one saving it left. for something special. Are you? Really? Is there one strike left? I thought we got... Well, we're still on the 
on on the bench. I thought we were canceled. Okay, so we're, we're on, the still on the bench. We're on the bench right now. From but it's really just two. it's really just there to get to get taken down. I don't know. I the last I got strike two with the Canadian doctors video. Yeah. The, the oh my god, the description on that's perfect. It's I, like this is misinformation about, and then it says Canadian doctors speak out. Like yeah. yeah. So then the next one, I'm I'm saving strike three. Maybe I'll, I've got, I've got a doozy. Yeah, let's do it. Do it. I, I've just got, line it up. Just pitch I'm, that ball right down the middle. Are you sure? Yeah, do it. We better talk about the doozy off. Okay. 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 Before you just well, say we'll talk. It. See, this is the thing I'm trying to get at for the next outlawed episode, which is coming out at the end of this week. We're going to do an intro. We're going to have some space in there for us to rant a little bit about this stuff. So I'm going to talk about some articles from VCC and, uh, some other things, just to, just a sort of a, a current event uh, kind of uh, rant, COVID sort of vaccine rant, and uh, we can talk about that then. So what I, I guess what I'm saying is we're going to use that. Sometimes we'll have room to do our own little intro rant. Whatever in you want. But usually podcast, that's just usually want. that's just like the guest. Also, but, we've got quite possibly the uh, conspiracy kingpin of our generation coming on the show next month. I still half expect him not to show up and yeah. just say, April Fools, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I didn't know he had done a couple other shows recently. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I do, me and Gareth and I do seem to have a pretty good rapport, not not a big one, but back and forth on Twitter and such. So uh, we got David Ike coming on April 1st for the Gramerica show. And then April 2nd, Good Friday, we'll have Gareth Ike coming on for uh, Outlaw. Those are both the Outlawed, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, because Ike is gonna go off about COVID most of the time. That's I'm good. Assuming. Good. Yeah. So that's why you should go check out those shows. That'd be a great little birthday present. You can review the show. And the other thing is, we're streaming that first half of Outlawed on Rockfin because we can't do it on YouTube. So you want to go to the free, free section of Rockfin? Sign up for free. You don't have to. You don't have to buy the subscription model. But there are a lot of our friends out there. There's like Propaganda Report and Charlie Robinson and. And Ricky, Ricky, Ricky and uh, all, all the, like Whitney Webb, all those, all those people are on Rockfin as well. That if you wanted to subscribe, you'd get access to all that. But there's a lot of free content on there as well, and we're streaming for free. Just the first half of Outlaw on there, just so we have a place to do. We that. have nine thousand at the Grand America Show YouTube. Still only has one strike. If we can make it another two months, no, we don't want to do it. We'll have no strikes. Oh, really? They get, yeah. they get, they get rid of strikes. The strikes come off. Outlawed, but the problem is matter. we self-censored that. I mean, you took things off there so oh, that yeah. we wouldn't get the strike. Well, because so. we have a couple of buddies who they went through their back catalog and toasted them. That's what, what happened thinking? to Jamie Deluxe. Right. What were you thinking about 9,000 what there you're well, saying? Well, we're at 9,996 YouTube oh, no, subscribers don't don't right go now. There. Don't go there. Just go there to put a big thumbs up, smash that like button, but don't subscribe. Don't uh, get inevitable. us to 10,000. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. By the time we get over the intro. It's going to, it's going to, that's going to take our channel down. As soon as we get to 10K, boom, down. Whatever. We got Rockfin now. Yeah. We move everything over there. It'll be a lot of work though. Anyway, check out rockfin.com slash Gramerica. If you want to sign up for that stuff, sign up. Audiobooks. Adultbrain.ca. Adultbrain.ca is a link. Just a landing page. Get the link to the audiobooks. Uh, Secret Societies of All Ages and Countries is out, both one and two. I was once told to use my adult brain. Some of the best advice I ever got. We made adultbrain.ca, where you can use your adult brain and read some of the, uh, maybe some of the best books of all time. You know, really, if you look like going back, some of the best esoteric books, we got The Secret Teaching of All Ages, which is still coming out. Russ. Coming out soon. Um, love you, buddy. 
Secret doctrine. I'll be, I'll be able to bust his balls physically in about three weeks. Yeah. Uh, secret doctrine. Secret doctrine to be out any day. Any wow. day now. Wow, that's crazy. This week. I'm wow, expecting that's crazy, it this dude. week. The secret doctrine. Whatever happened with the God available. man word made flesh? I'm expecting that this week too. Really? Wow, that's been a crazy one. It's I'm been expecting- in, in process for like six uh Six I'm ex- months. I'm expecting both the oh, Godman. Yeah, it's crazy. They was keep originally finding weird submitted stuff. Oh last God. April. 8th. Last April. So it's oh my God! It's been a year. It's been almost a almost year. almost a year. Yeah, I yeah. did it about a week and a half after I moved in here. It was the first book we ever submitted. Yeah, and they forgot about it and then said they didn't. And <laughs> that then, was COVID. That was right smack in the middle yeah. of COVID. But yeah, it's coming out now. That's an interesting one. That's good. They, these weird esoteric books, you know, esoteric meaning of the alphabet was interesting too, talking about the... Uh, I half expecting to find more trouble with God, man. That thing had fucking like 39 little five-minute chapters in it. Yeah. And yeah. the, the yeah. fucking rules are so specific. Yeah. I like it's got to... You got a half second to one second of blank space before and yeah. then one to five after. So yeah. the, the ass end is not bad. Yeah, yeah. The front end... Yeah. Cutting tough, things yeah. within a half a second constantly. Yeah, and uh, Yeah. Um, I guess they got to have some standards. To Adultbrain.ca, baby. And that esoteric meaning of the alphabet. Yeah. I mean, talking about the genesis genesis of a lot of the alphabet uh, from around the world is seems very similar. It's very strange. Something, it just, it speaks again of like this uh, one civilization that goes back farther than we all think, you know? Totally. All right, what do you want to do now? Operation Project or? You got an oppo? I do. This is interesting, yeah. Uh, you always think they're interesting, though. So I take that with it. It's very long, though. I can't read the whole thing. but You read You read some of the longest books ever written. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's that noise? It looks military to me. Definitely military. Probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannerkin, Artichoke, MK Ultra. Operation Project. All right, this is. Have you ever heard of uh, Operation Snow White? I've read Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So this is... uh that about, something to do with cocaine? No, I, ah. no, that's what I thought too. I was like, yeah. Um, I'm going to link to this in the show notes. And I don't know how true this is. This is from Religion Wiki. So it's not quite from Wikipedia, but it's fascinating. What's Religion Wiki? I don't know. This is probably what it sounds like. Is that like Skeptical Wiki? Can we have a Grammar Wiki? Sure. So... This was this was the Church of Scientology's name for a conspiracy during the 70s to purge unfavorable records from Scientology and its founder, L. Ron Hubbard. You heard about that? L. Ron Hubbard. The project included no. a series of infiltrations and, and thefts from 136 government agencies, foreign embassies and consulates, as well as private organizations critical of Scientology carried out by church members in more than 30 countries. The single largest infiltration of the United States government in history with up to 5,000 covert agents. <laughs> Can this be real? This was also the operation that exposed Operation Freakout because this was the case that brought the U.S. government into investigation on the church. Wow. I'll, I'll do Operation Freakout another time. Under this program, Scientology operatives committed infiltration, wiretapping, and theft of documents in government offices, most notably those in the U.S. Internal Revenue 
Revenue Service. 11 highly placed church executives, including Mary Sue Hubbard, the wife of the founder and second in command of the organization, she pleaded guilty or were convicted in federal court of obstructing justice, burglary of government offices, and thefts of documents of government property. Oh, my God. So they sued her in 1979. Now, the background, as early as in 1960, L. Ron Hubbard had proposed that Scientologists should infiltrate government departments by taking secretarial bodyguard or other jobs. And in the early in the early 70s, the Church of Scientology was increasingly scrutinized by U.S. federal agencies, having already been raided by the Food and Drug Administration in 63. And the IRS claimed it owed millions of dollars in taxes, and the FBI sent agents into the organization. And the church's response involved a publicity campaign, extensive litigation against the IRS, and a program of infiltration of agency offices. And then several years later, in 73, the Guardian's office began a massive infiltration of governments around the world through the primary target of the operation, though the primary target was the U.S. They infiltrated Interpol. Oh, my God, that's crazy, dude. Did they the ever FDA, infiltrate The it? FDA, the DEA, <laughs> the, the National Institute of Mental Health, American Medical Association, United Nations. This can't be real. Did they ever infiltrate it? I don't know. They're still there. I mean, it, it's so crazy, dude. And then, you know, Hubbard was involved in all that like occult stuff with those guys, right? I mean, this is, it's, uh, makes you wonder. Okay. I'm going to leave it there because there's, it's, it's, it go, it's like, Cruz it's too, like, I, mean. I, I know that's, that's what's weird about it is it's, it's very, there's a lot of famous people in there, you know? Maybe we should get you in. I don't want to be. Scientologist? Well, you wouldn't actually be. You'd just be in there infiltrating them. Around this time, Hubbard himself wrote Guardian Order 732, which called for the removal and correction of erroneous Scientology files. It is here that Operation Snow White had its origins. Though the order called for this to be achieved by legal means, this would quickly change. <laughs> oh. Pew, pew. Uh, there you have it. There you have it. I think there might be a no agenda meetup during Stampede. Oh, yeah. Somebody's yeah. always saying. Yeah, cool. cool You're cool. going to have to give a speech. Sure. We should get you an Adam mask. Actually, you seem more like a, a Dvorak. I don't know. But you're a crackpot. He's a crackpot. You Adam's are? a crackpot. I know. That's what I mean. We might have to get you a Dvorak mask. Or an Adam mask. Yeah, yeah. Because you're a crackpot. Yeah. My buzzkill, though, I feel like I'm not a buzzkill. Yeah, buzz you're buzzkill. I'm a buzzkill, yeah. maybe just for you and your UFO searching buddies. That's the only thing I buzzkill on. And your Trump, and your Trump's going to save the world. Stop. I never said that. I turned out to be right. I never about, said that. By the way, I never. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I told you by your birthday, right? I told you oh, by yeah. your birthday. This is the time. Can I hear you say it then? You were right. Yes. T bone for the most part. T-Bone or Bill will make a cut of that. For the most part. Can you say you were right, Darren? You were right, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, now we're having fun. Uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a quote or do you want me to do a social media while you get your quote ready? I got the quote ready. Yeah. You got the quote ready. Yeah. This is a pro. Mm, I don't have the... Uh... I didn't have the quote jingle ready. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the grind.
All right, to the YouTubes. We got, this is on the Tartaria trailer. Which I think we, did we already put that in an episode? Did we not put that one in an episode? Oh, I don't know which one. I'm, I'm losing track, dude. I don't know. I don't which, think uh, we which put, one you put. put Tartaria part one. I thought you did, maybe. Of, I thought yeah. you did, maybe, but. I'll check. Yeah. So anyways, this is I'm, from what? The YouTube? So you're putting those best so subs on I the YouTube? I put the best ofs because they're great. The best of. They're yeah. the best part of the shows we do. Well, it's like a highlight reel or a teaser. Yeah. It's a highlight yeah. reel. So we give it to you guys in audio form here for free. Um, but I don't think I put episode four. And I think the last one I did was Gary Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Because let me check the date. Let's see what day I got episode four. From Brady, shout out to Brady, who does uh, and does some work for us, doing some fancy effects. I didn't get Ep Four full until Friday. When did the last show come out? Oh, March twelfth. So no, there's no way it's come out yet. Like three days ago. So no. So we'll put the trailer in for this comment. We'll put the trailer in for episode four, which is Tartari in the Americas with Flavortown and Amuru. And we'll put part one in this episode. Okay. Then next week we'll put in Hyperborea. And then the week after that, we'll do part two of this episode. Okay. So here's a okay. comment on part one by two, two men standing still productions. Okay. Though some of what these guys come out with is certainly interesting, some of it is also true. Tartaria wasn't an empire. In fact, the area of Tartaria was still part of Russia until the formation of the Soviet Union. Yes, there was travel across the ocean in ancient times. It's well established that Egyptian warships were incredibly well built and armored, which made them well equipped for ocean travel, which the Greeks and Romans copied. Roman amphora and shipwrecks have been found off the coast of Brazil, and traces of cocaine, cannabis, and tobacco have been found in Egyptian mummies. These plants weren't native to Egypt and could have only have come from the Americas. The history of Britain is also very well established, and with plenty of evidence through tapestry, art, cave art, castles, and books, one of our oldest books, the Doomsday Books, dates from the 11th century, and our kings before and after King William's victory at Hastings in 1066 are well documented. In fact, within 30 miles of where I live are countless Roman bathhouse ruins, forts and castles, abbeys, etc., dating from various times in history. Though these guys have some interesting and ideas and theories, they've not fully reached research Tartaria enough. Otherwise, they would have found the soaps. The Tartar region was a Russian province and actually consisted of the northern Baltic regions when Crimea and specifically St. Petersburg was still the capital of Russia. Yeah, but that's not... That's he doesn't not, get it. Yeah, but that's... I mean, yeah. That's not, the, that's not the real point, but thank you for that comment. Is this where tartar sauce originated from? I mean, we know it's well-established. That's the point, right? This is well-established. That He's talking about the well-established... Narrative. FYI, Americans, my friend April just got kicked off of YouTube for uploading the No Agenda show, which she does as a courtesy. Just a heads up. Shh, 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 shh. 
What do we got? The beard is epic. People love your beard, buddy. Oh, you have to just grow it long like a shaman. Fantastic, fantastic conversation. I agree with Darren. The true epidemic hearts and hearts need healing. All right, I think that's good, eh? Yeah, let's do the quote. The quote. I was supposed to be getting ready for the quote while I was doing all that reading, but I wasn't quite. Uh, I think I got you, though. Oh, this is perfect. I got a perfect, perfect. quote. Perfect? You have the yeah. perfect quote? Yeah. It's the profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke? Is that a synchro? (laughs) Darren just, sorry, Darren just showed me something where that jingle was going on. Okay, here's the quote. Ready? It took me 40 years on earth to reach this sure conclusion. There is no heaven but clarity. There is no hell except confusion. 40 years. I make a swami. No, it's Jan Struther. It's 40 years for your 40 year, buddy. Oh, thanks. Yep. Are you going to tell people at the synchro? No. No? Even though I coughed and said okay, Russ. Okay, yeah, say it. Say it, sure. So I, I coughed and said Russ because Russ has been kind enough to do the secret teaching notes for us. Darren was talking about the audiobooks a little while yeah. back, yeah, just for context. And, and we're waiting for the last file or two from Russ to finish up the edit. And uh, he just texted. About two seconds, two minutes after I said that, text and said that he had just uploaded another file and he's only got about uh, 40 pages of footnotes left. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Russ. (laughs) That book might end up, it might hit 50 hours. Yeah. That's a close. Yeah. All right. That it? Yeah, that's it, buddy. Enjoy these uh, little best of, a little highlight reel with Flavortown, longtime Grand American. First time, first time I met Amuru, but uh, I have known Flavortown for a long, long time. Flavortown's actually coming to Utah with us. He's in charge of the the uh, cacdoc. Yeah. We'll be seeing a lot of him over the next couple of months too. Oh, what an exciting spring! Yeah. All right, guys, enjoy the chat or enjoy the teaser, and then enjoy the chat with Lisa O'Hara. So, I mean, at this point, I think we're at the point, you know, where where there's enough questions that we can start getting actual boots on the ground and getting people to hopefully get out there, learn more about this, go to your own area where you where you live, because a lot of this research, you'd be surprised. uh, A lot of weird historical inaccuracies you can find in your own hometown or the town you live in. Um, and that's a great place to start. And then you get into communication with other people and they start connecting the dots. And the next thing you know, we're, uh, we're one step closer. What the mainstream says is Tartaria was a loose association of nomadic tribes that all banded together and kind of had this like, a, you know, agreement, I guess. It wasn't really, they say it wasn't really a government. It didn't really have a leader. It was just, you know, the steppes, which, you know, is central, you know, basically from the Black Sea, Balkan area, all the way through to Siberia. 
essentially. So the one of the largest, if not the largest, continuous landmass on the planet was inhabited by, according to the mainstream, uh, just a just a bunch of dudes on horses drinking milk. <laughs> one of the unique things you can find about North America is um, the United States of America claims that aside from teepees, no one was here first. We were here first. And that's that's a narrative that has constantly been been shown to be false. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of examples of this. Oh, here's the one I was talking about. So you have Russian Tartary in Siberia up here in the north. Then you have an independent Tartary here in the center. And to the east, you have uh, Chinese Tartary. So three pretty distinct, and you can see here the rest of the countries are filled out. And, you know, all of these countries have flags, they have leaders. I mean, Persia, Arabia, um, all these places are distinct civilizations. So to say that they're just this loosely associated group of Nomads. Mongols yeah. Yeah. is ridiculous. It's, it's not, it's, there's no precedent for it. And, and the, the major issue is that, um, it's, there's plenty of evidence of this. You can go and you find books previous to like 1850. There are books that are discussing Tartary as if it is a civilization, as if they're a race of people. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and there's nothing crazy in there. I mean, let's put it this way. We're not talking about Atlantis, uh, free energy, flying around. Everything was amazing. Utopia, steampunk, Tartary here. I just want to make make that clear to everyone that there is a distinction in this research where people are very quick to jump straight to, okay, they were a, a, a civilization, they were wiped off the map, because they were. I mean, they were literally wiped off the map. Like, there are just no maps depicting Tartary anymore. Um, they were literally wiped off the map. So obviously, they were a utopian, perfect, free energy civilization uh, that had everything figured out, and we killed all of them. The first event happened sometime around there, because that's when the, the forging of historical relics really took off. Um, that's when all of these monks were in their monasteries and their abbeys getting paid to crank out pagan manuscripts, just like Roman, like they're taking Plato, like here. Okay. So here you have 1500s. You're in France. You're, you're a, a young and upcoming monk. And the way you make money for your abbey is you sit around all day and you hand copy onto pieces of cow skin, um, a, a, a pagan document written by a Roman a uh, historian from 1500 years ago that uh, is based off of a few fragments, maybe. I don't know what they actually had. You know, we've never seen the primary sources of a lot of where these manuscripts come from. And you have that explode in the beginning of the 1500s, or late 1400s, early 1500s. So there was an attempt to, f to flood the zone, if you will, with forged or, you know, repurposed manuscripted history if we can piece together this block of history wherein we might have seen travel 
through these regions, um, it would force a rewrite of that block of history, even a bit, because you, you guys, I'm sure you're familiar with the old idea that the oceans are barriers, when in fact, thanks to recent research and points, and, and even a couple books um, and live tests, you know, the four Scotsmen made a rawhide boat and came to America in it in four days. The oceans are highways. And so for that to not be true of the ancient world, there's a hidden connection there. But boats would obviously be the superior way of transportation. And I believe that they did send a large group of these warriors, these Mongols, whatever you want to call them, the Golden Horde type people, um, they went to America and they landed in the Pacific Northwest and in, you know, where, you know, Canada and Alaska and all those areas and, and really, I think, concentrated in, in San Francisco and where San Francisco and Seattle are now. So we have a, a, a region on maps called Fusang. Um, this is what are what some have called a Chinese settlement that has existed from about 500 A.D. on. And there are multiple maps that show Fusang as a settlement, obviously sounding very Chinese. It says right here, uh, Chinese colony. Um, this is, where is this? This would be, I think would be Seattle would be, right? Approximately the Puget Sound kind of thing up there. You'd have to mm -hmm. zoom out, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's an even larger. I mean, here it is. You know, pretty big, pretty pretty well Vancouver. labeled. Yeah, pretty well labeled on the map. I mean, it's not a small area. So, so the Wiggers, <laughs> and I'll say it. I'll say it properly because I'm not afraid. The Wiggers were very loosely associated with the Khan. All through history, you can read uh, the biggest books by the biggest names of the day. It was a 12th century missive sent to the Khan so that he didn't march his horde down through China. And the Uyghurs delivered the messages. They were the emissaries. Wow. As local peoples. And the Khan liked the symbols on the seal and pendant and on the letters so much, he made the Uyghurs teach it to his people. And so this is the origin of the Mongolian language. So until very, very recently, the, and from the outset, you could say the Uyghurs have been um, a prominent feature in the entire idea of Tataria. Wow. This is a very, very large statue, and you can see it's also built on a sort of pyramid. Oh, yeah, right. So this is a, a very I mean, look at how large where that is. is. Where is this? Volgograd. This is, this this is, is Mamayev Kurvin. So this is, this is a uh, battle memorial for the Battle of uh, Volgograd, or for, say, I believe it's St. Petersburg. Is that sword like uh, 200 feet long? How long is the it's, sword? It's huge. It is ridiculously huge. Well, look at the people on the path over there. They don't even match the base of the thing. Right. Oh, that's what I'm this, saying. The sword's got to be close to 100 feet. There's a book that I found called The Young Folk's History of Russia. 
And this was written in 1881. And it's just like a little, it's basically a, a storybook for kids or like a, like a basic history kind of book. And it tells the story of uh, Mamai, Mamai Khan. So Mamai Khan was a general in the Golden Horde army. He fought against the Christians in 1380. Um, but the Mamai Khan was this, in this story standing on an ancient burial ground in this area because Mamayev Kurgan is the name of this area. It is based off Mamayev Kurgan. As we said, Kurgan was the burial mound. So Mamayev Kurgan means the Kurgan of Mamayev, right? So that's the name of this hill that they fought this battle on. That hill is where that statue is now. So they built the motherland statue on top of the Kurgan of Mamai. Wow. It is the finest uh, example locally of iconoclasm. We're going to build our monument on top of your monument. Because in the wake of a natural disaster, you can go in and you can rewrite history. And then you have, of course, the conflicts of the Civil War in the United States. You also have at the same time the Crimean War um, between the French and the Russians. You have uh, many global conflicts that lead up until you know World War I, World War II. So uh, that's the second stage. That's also the rise of the oligarchs and the oil oligarchs and the bankers and basically the people that created this current society that that previous you know hundred years of of cataclysm and strife and destruction and repurposing um, led to these people showing up and creating the new society through the world's fairs and the expositions and these massive uh, displays of out with the old in with the new. All right, tonight we've got Lisa O'Hara with us author of Abducted and Furious. It's funny, before we started uh, recording here, I was thinking, can I say she's a experiencer or an abductee or a contactee? So I thought, well, maybe we'll let her explain if there's a label that, that people like to put on this and what she thinks about that. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And, and uh, I did read your book and I thought it was great. I thought it was... Uh, there's some, I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, there's some synchronicities I had with, uh, with a few parts of it, which it's just so weird when I'm, I'm driving, listening to your book, I've got it in a voice dream, like a, a, a reader uh -huh. and just hearing stuff that, uh, oh, just made me think about synchronicities I had in a UFO conference with Moldavite, for example, or wow, yeah, other stuff. So we'll get into that a little later as, as appropriate. So where do you want to start? You want to start with why you decided to like, basically push back against all this and finally write the book? Um, sure. And also I wanted to say that I consider myself an abductee and okay. also an experiencer. Okay. Uh, there is a difference. Apparently yeah. the contactees uh, apparently enjoy being contacted right. and they enjoy meeting their hybrid children and, and they, uh, you know, have, it's a positive experience for them. Yeah. I think there are experiencers that just have experiences and I don't know if they consider themselves in a neck, you know, considered in a negative light. I think abductee gives that um, impression and feeling of, you know, negativity. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it's a thing that happens that we are not either aware of or also it's against our will. So that's why I use that word. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you mentioned that in your book that it's hard to find, like you, you don't seem to be able to find a lot of people that are having the negative experiences. Now it seems like people are, true. you're calling yeah. them positive. Yes. And I think it's just because there's such a stigma of people who are um, abducted or even have any UFO experiences because Unfortunately, it's sort of taboo, you know, um, if you do talk about it, then everyone sort of slowly drifts away from you at a party. They think <laughs> you will wear the tinfoil hats or whatever. And you might try it, you know, what the heck, you have nothing to lose. But, um, you know, there's just a negativity that surrounds it. So you don't want to admit it to anyone. And if you do, you want to admit it when you're at a UFO conference. But Right now, of course, terrible timing for me with my book uh, when I decided to um, to self-publish it was in February of 2020. And unfortunately, now everything's closed down. <laughs> so yeah. I can't even meet my people. The closest I can come is being on these podcasts because everyone I meet seems to have a paranormal experience. Otherwise, they wouldn't have a podcast or a radio show. Yeah. So I actually am meeting my people, but not the way I thought I would. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Do you think there's pressure on people? or that they even put on themselves to try and make their experiences be positive? Because I mean, it's such a weird uh, community because there's the whole UFO, Stephen Greer contact thing, which is very, you know, he's the gut, he thinks that everything's positive. And then you've got the more of the, I guess in the past it was David Jacobs and all these people with the, and it's sort of really the negative aspect and it seems very polarized. So do you think people are pressuring it to get, to make it positive? Actually, I don't know, but one of the things I do think is that um, it's it's in the ET or the people who are, who are you know doing their experiments on us. I really believe that it's in their best interest to have divide and conquer. If you have two people and they're po- and they're fighting each other about whether or not it's positive or negative, then you have control. So that's actually what I think about it. And your book really made me think about free will as well, because, and you just sort of mentioned it. I mean, this is, it's, it seems like if you were to take all of your experiences on at face value and, and there's something very strange going on and it feels like we don't have free will. I mean, there people are doing things to us, whether it's subconsciously or during the night or whatever that, that, that you, you kind of had to tease it out, like tease your free will out of this, it seems. Right, exactly. Well, I think also, I think anger is a powerful motivator. And I think, um, you know, and and initially, you know, you feel a lot of fear, because these are things that a you never knew about, and b you feel hopeless and helpless to do anything about. So um, I just got mad because I thought, how dare you do this to me? You know, how dare you? (laughs) So that's what started it out. And, um, yeah, and I decided to take back my free will because I think, um, a lot of people, you know, in these sort of spiritual realm or spiritual groups think, Oh, well, all you have to do is demand it and you just have to say no, you know, but it's not really that simple. And so I, I just got angry and I tried everything. I left no stone unturned and continued until I found something that worked for me. Can we get into that later? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I do want to ask you whether that'll work for other spiritual maladies, like whether it's sort of demonic stuff or incubus or shadow, shadow man attacks, that kind of thing. I feel like you're onto something that might help other 
other types of I believe so. And I hope somebody who tries it for themselves will, um, will let me know. Um, because like I said, it's hard to find people who would admit to almost anything. I mean, uh, ET abduction is probably the least of it, you know, but demonic incubus or whatever, you know, they're not going to want to admit to that. But yeah, I do think it will work because, um, it's, it's worked for me on a, a many levels. Um, when I wrote this book, I wrote it, because of what was happening to me and mostly in the present. And now that I'm away from it for a year and it's only taken a year, um, I can see when I read the book because I've changed so much and my experiences have changed so much. And every time I think I know which direction I'm going, I you know, make a left turn. Um, but when I re- reread my book to see where I was to have these shows, I can really say, oh, I know what's happening there. I know what's happening there. Oh, oh, oh. You know, so things have changed. They've um, gotten a lot better. So, yes, I think that could help for a lot of people. But I think also there's a mindset of, oh, this is good or this is spiritual and I just throw some love at it. If I throw, you know, I feel like it's all about oneness and unity and we shouldn't fight it. Um, I don't know. It depends on their mindset. Right. If they think that uh, they just need to throw love at it, then it might not work for them. And that kind of gets into the soul contract type thing where people think they're here, like they, they made this decision before they've agreed to this. They've agreed to be taken and abused for whatever higher good or something like that. And you kind of, you kind of don't really agree with that. Right. I don't. And I think, I mean, I think anyone who looks at it in that way can think to themselves, what? I wouldn't agree to that. I mean, you know, thinking of who we are. And I really think that's a way of blaming us for something that we didn't agree to. Yeah. Because it's easy to say, oh, oh, you agreed to this. This was, you know, before you were born, you agreed to learn all these lessons. And, um, you know, so you can feel like you you agreed to it. And so there's nothing you can do now. And so um, I think that um, we can do something about it, but it just feels like we can't. Do you want to get into into your experiences, or do you want to get into the solution? Start with start with um, some of your experiences yeah, start, or your story. Let's start a kind bit. of in the beginning. Um, so uh, early on, about 2012, I was uh, having uh, these weird experiences, and I'd had them throughout my life too. Where I, when I met someone um, after I'd been friends with them for a little while, I would kind of know when our when they were going to die, for instance, or that that something catastrophic was going to happen. And I don't have that in the book, but someone recently reminded me of this. So I thought I better say it too. And so, you know, I would try to take a picture or try to spend time with them. And, um, and then I would just have other strange experiences like that. So you can't really put a label on that because what is that, you know, or I would have as a little kid, I would have a daydream and I would have it every night at night, not during the day, but at night I would have a daydream. And then after a week, it would come true. The exact scenario that I saw. So that happened multiple times. But again, it's not a thing that you can say that's ESP or, um, you know, that's premonition or, you know, there was just no real label for it. Um, so, you know, throughout my life, you know, I'd have the, I would have the prophetic dreams, but I don't have have one or I would, uh, when I was in high school, right before I, uh, I moved around a lot as a a kid and, uh, right when I was 16, I was having this daydream that I was going to move to a foreign country. And I was thinking, oh no, that's like my worst nightmare because 
I had just gotten to this high school and I wanted to stay there as long as possible. And I didn't want to move in the middle of it, which was my life uh, to move almost every year, every two years. So then I didn't, I, that happened, that came true. Um, so there's just no, you know, rhyme or reason to these things. So um, about 2012, um, I started to wonder if to try to label myself and I couldn't figure out what it was, but I was reading a book about how to tell if you were a medium. And some of these things, you know, they sort of sounded kind of vague, you know, kind of like horoscopes where you say to yourself, oh, that could be me. (laughs) It's kind of vague. And so I actually thought in my own head, and I didn't say this out loud, uh, I don't know, I don't think I'm a medium. And I started hearing knocking on the wall, like, yes, you are, yes, you are. (laughs) So don't give up on this. Um, So I started meditating and I talked to my spirit guide. I asked for my spirit guide's name. They said they didn't have names and they didn't have genders, but they told me, I told them I needed a name. And so they told me that their name was Korig, K-O-R-E-G. So I started talking to Korig and I was like, what am I? And what is my purpose here? And Korig said, you're a beacon of light. And so I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what in the heck, you know, what does beacon of light mean? Uh, But of course, you know, they don't tell you usually, they just give you that bit of information. That's what you ask for, but they won't tell you what it means. So, so then I kept, you know, trying to figure out what I, what I was. And um, then I found out that there was a woman who was going to the same hair salon as I was, and she was a medium. And her, um, so I scheduled an appointment with her and she said, you're just like me, you're a medium. (laughs) So I, after finding that out, I worked with her a while because I thought, well, maybe that's what my purpose is. Maybe I, my beacon of light is actually to talk to other people who are trying to connect to their relatives on the other side. And I spent some time on it and and one of the things that happened to me, which I thought was pretty interesting, was that in the, initially I was thinking to myself, here I am, I am, uh, I feel, I can see myself with clients and I can see, you know, so uh, every day I would think of myself seeing clients. And then one day I felt like I wasn't going to see clients and that that really wasn't my path. So I went back to my medium and I said, I'm starting to feel like this isn't my path anymore. And she said, yeah. It's because you have a choice right now. You have a crossroads. You can either go to the mediumship or you can go to the unknown. And at that point, I knew I was going to the unknown because the mediumship wasn't for me at that at that time. And I wanted to do a shout out to all mediums. Oh my gosh, that is the hardest job ever. You have to say what you hear and trust that what you hear is actually true. And, you know, it's really, really hard. It's a hard job and you have to connect to them. It's sort of like being on a, you know, on an elevator where, you know, like the old fashioned elevators where they might go down and maybe not be on the right floor, you know, kind of a little higher. Um, so you, that's how you have to connect to the spirits that way. And it's really difficult. Um, so at that point, she said, it'll be something you'll go someplace else. And I said, OK, but I didn't know where we were going. <laughs> And so I continued on with my meditation and um, deciding to go another direction. And one night I was in bed, I was meditating, and I felt this incredibly negative presence in my room. And I said to my spirit guide, Korig, 
what's that incredibly (laughs) horrible feeling of negativity in my room? And he said, oh, that's the ETs. They stole all your eggs and that's why you don't have children. They're here to take you right now. And I was totally blown away by that. I was just, I mean, that was the last thing I expected to hear. And I also um, was really frightened, really, really scared. So I um, immediately, you know, tried to stay awake as long as I could. And um, then, of course, fell asleep. Um, And I told my husband and he was like, all right, that doesn't exist. Well, you know, (laughs) but actually, you know, him saying that kind of made me feel better. It made me feel a little bit um, like, okay, he says it's, you know, it's not true. And I feel better feeling like it's not true. And so right now I'm just going to go with that and kind of like get used to this a little at a time. And so I did do that. Um, And at some point um, I thought, you know, well, how can I, how can I fix this? I mean, I don't really like this and I'm not happy with the situation. So that's when I started going to the medium and saying, okay, let's, this is what's happening to me. Let's figure out what to do next. And so that's how we got into the soul contracts. She helped, tried to help me break soul contracts. She had me, um, you know, putting out salt, washing with salt. She had me clearing my Akashic records and um, that's some sort of large database that they have with all your experiences. Um, I did that. She had me using a manifesto in the before I went to bed demanding my right to free will, demanding, you know, trying to help me break that I am not going and I'm not doing anything that they say and that kind of thing. Um, After a while, I realized this is not working at all. And I, in the meantime, I kept searching around on the web for things that other people had done. And I tried all those things too, because you never know, you never know what's going to work. Well, prior, a little bit prior to that, she had taught a couple of classes on healing. And so uh, she taught an angelic healing class where you actually put your hands on people. And she also taught one called Laho Chi. And Laho Chi is interesting in that you uh, can heal people, but you can also heal yourself. So being a all-in girl as I am, um, I started Googling all kinds of different healing techniques and healing books. And I found some on the web on Amazon. And I bought them all. There was this guy named Stuart Swerdlow, and he wrote a bunch of healing books. So I just bought, bought all of his books. And um, I started looking at them a little bit, but I just felt like they were over my head. So while I was trying all of these things, trying to figure out what to do about these ETs, uh, my spirit guide, Korig, actually pointed me back to those healing books which didn't make sense to me at the time, but I thought, whatever, I have nothing to lose. I've tried everything else. So I started reading them and they made sense this time. Um, I essentially just started trying out different techniques that he has in his books and um, trying them out, you know, looking at at my situation and trying to use some of his tools. Now, um, in the meantime, I was also reading everybody else's books. So anyone else who's had a contactee experience, I wanted to read their book because I felt like my situation is pretty weird. But if I read these books from everyone else, Whitley Strieber, um, you know, anyone else I can find that has an interesting book, I can find clues to my own situation. So one of the reasons I started doing that was because 
I noticed that when, um, well, I started having this weird problem with my clothes having a weird smell. So, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and I'm, you know, kind of a logic person too. So that's why I started, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. So at first I noticed my clothes really smelled and they, I keep sometimes keep my clothes on the counter in my bathroom, um, you know, but, you know, when I take them off after being out and then also when I put them there to put them back on the next day. So I noticed they really smelled bad. They smelled like BO and feet. And I thought, this is really weird. So I threw them all back into, I threw them all into the hamper because every single one smelled. And then I washed them and I left them where my husband folds them in the laundry room. And the next day they smelled again. And I thought, how weird, this is the strangest thing. So I thought, well, maybe I didn't put enough laundry detergent in. So I threw them all back in there. I took them out the next day. They smelled fine. I put them in my closet and all the ones in my closet smelled okay. <laughs> and I kept doing that. And so after a while, I noticed that some clothes smelled, some clothes didn't. So then I, for a while, I thought it was my laundry. Um, I, I have two cats. Maybe it's a cat box, you know? So, and then I noticed that sometimes they smelled like that coming out of the dryer. And other times they were actually folded up and they smelled like that. So one day I finally, after all of this time, trying smelling my clothes and trying to figure out if they smelled okay, I, let, I smelled up my clothes. I put them on the counter to go to bed. The next day, they smelled. So to me, that meant I left in those clothes. And I actually had a dream that night that I was wearing those clothes when I was somewhere else. So um, because of this, I thought, this is a clue. And there are things I know about this situation. Now, uh, so that started me on this whole thing of I need to write all this stuff down. I need to know what's happening to me before I leave. So first, I, you know, I wrote down about the clothes and then I started every night paying attention to what happened to me prior to abduction. And of course, I did try all those other things of putting uh, out a um, out cameras. You know, I tried the camera thing where you put the camera out and it uh, doesn't work. Or uh, in my case, I was using one of those kind of like picture frame cameras where it has a fake picture on it. And I would turn it on and it's motion sensor. sensor. And then I'd go to sleep. And then the next day it would be in between on and off. So it wasn't off and it wasn't on, but it didn't record anything. Hmm. So I... I tried, uh, you know, a lot of things, but uh, this look, you know, trying to nail down all these little things I did know. So one of the things I knew was that I actually was leaving. And uh, then that started me on a thing where I just wrote down every piece of data that I could. So I have on my ceiling uh, or I have a projector clock that projects the time on the ceiling in red letters, uh, red numbers, and I just would write down anytime I heard anything, anytime I saw anything. And so, you know, I started noticing that uh, on the sixth and the seventh of the month and other times, but a lot of times on that night, those nights, I would have two low flying planes and a helicopter go over my house. And it happened no matter where I was, uh, even if I was in California, in Lake Tahoe, that would happen. And so I, just started writing everything down. I noticed if I felt uh, what I call a sleep dart now, because I had to keep changing the name because I was trying to figure out what it was. But basically, it feels like a mosquito bite. 
So I knew as soon as I was hit by the mosquito bite, I would fall asleep. Um, I spent a lot of time and early on just trying to stay awake and trying to fight them by not going to sleep. But I found that as soon as I fell asleep, it was all over. Um, so, so, so you were this. I, so this is happening ever since 2012 when it first happened to you. Then you yeah. first realized it, and then it's it kept happening. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's happened my whole life. Actually, right, right, it was right. just I found out about it in 2017. Right, right. So. So um, anyway, I would uh, I just started writing everything down. Now, initially, I was really just afraid to go to sleep and I was trying to fight them that way. But I realized I really needed to turn the tables on them and I needed to uh, make them their, my guinea pig, because if they're leaving those kind of clues behind where my clothes smell and sometimes they're folded up and so, you know, whatever, uh, there are other clues that I don't know about. So if I were smart, I would actually start writing down everything I could remember, anything I saw, and write it down. And when I woke up from actually came coming back from an abduction, then I could write all that stuff down, anything I remembered. And then when I found the tools, I started using the tools against them to kind of piece together this puzzle of what was happening to me. And um, so that's uh, then later um, I wrote I read a book by uh, Terry Lovelace, who wrote Incident at Devil's Den. And he encouraged me to write to him and or he encouraged people in the back of his book to write to him. And I did. He encouraged me to write this book. And so I thought, why not? I should, because uh, if I'm not willing to speak out, why can I how can I expect anyone else to speak out? Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's a lot of my story. <laughs> you mentioned, in, in, yeah, lots of questions. You mentioned in there about, you think it could be, cause this is really the big question. Is it whether, whether it's my labs or ETs or like you mentioned, secret space program kind of stuff in there as well. And you think it's a bit of everything, which I tend to agree that a lot of these things are a whole bunch of, the answers are very varied. So did, so how do you know, like, how, how can you tell the difference or how did you discern the difference between what you were seeing or what um, you were, sorry, what you were experiencing? Meaning whether it was people or not? Yeah, I guess you? like, like how the secret space program fits in, how the my labs fit in. Are they working directly with the ETs? Is it, is it all of them together? Are they separate events? Like, um, I, I actually think that the, I think that they're, it's all three of those. I think there's a lot of ET involvement that's just separate. And then I think there's ETs and people working together. And then I think there's military. And one of the things that kept happening to me, and I read this in the My Labs book, was that, uh, that they give people something to drink. And one of the things that I kept finding, uh, and I brush my teeth before I go to bed and I wear a night guard, uh, you know, so I don't grind my teeth. Um, I kept finding plaque on my teeth. Um, when I woke up the next day and I just thought, this is the weirdest thing. I'm eating something now. I don't know what it is, you know, but all I kept finding plaque. I also would see people. Sometimes I would actually see people come into my room and I would see, uh, them having some sort of like little square and it would be, it would be a square and it would be right over their hand like this, a square. And it would, um, they would somehow make me fall asleep. The other thing, too, was uh, early on, I did see a um, praying mantis, uh, not a gray, but I saw two praying mantises, and one of them seemed more female, and they were trying to get me 
they were trying to convince me to go on their ship because I had uh, cut my leg on a recycle bin, uh, a standing one. And um, it started all of a sudden started throbbing while I was laying in my bed. And I was trying to figure out what that was all about when I suddenly saw this seven foot tall praying mantis standing by my bed. And either she was talking to me telepathically or with her mouth. I'm not sure because it was dark. And she was saying, you know, my name is MoMA and I'm come to help you to take you to my ship. And you just have to agree to it. And I was like, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that. You know, I, so I got, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I have um, implants and I must have damaged one and now they want to fix it. So um, I did end up, you know, being taken by her in the middle of the night because the next day my leg didn't hurt at all. So I knew that it was fixed. Um, then there was another time when I saw a male praying mantis as, as it seemed, cause who knows <laughs> if they are gendered, but I guess they are. We, they are, we know that they are as insects here, but, uh, that guy strode into my room. He pointed at me, actually sl- smacked me on the, my lady parts with a, like a spoon or a tuning fork. It made me vibrate all over. And then he just pointed at me and then I fell asleep immediately. So, so I do think that there are people involved. I don't know what all of the things are. When I've used my tools and looked back on my dreams, I have, um, I have uh, been able to see all kinds of different insects, and so spiders and praying mantis and beetles and and people and so and reptiles, reptilians. So I've seen so many things, and I just have no idea. who's working with who, but it just seems like there's a lot of torture. There's a lot of experimentation and um, a lot of things that we really don't even have a clue about. And it's really scary. Is it scary every time? Like, is it, is it an ongoing thing or is this something you sort of, you dread? I used to dread it. Now I don't because I'm turning the tables on them, but I do. I, for a very long time, I was very frightened. And now I'm just, you know, using it as I, I think I just got desensitized or not desensitized, but, you know, you're like, OK, you know, you pulled my eye out. You're squeezing it. You know, um, I don't know why you're. Doing that, but um, I'm not I'm not fearful like I used to be. Is it always at, uh, at night? Yes, it is. But I have been taken out of my car uh, about three times so far now. Um, I don't know how that happens. It feels like um, time is bent in some way, or maybe there's a gash in time and they take me out and then put me back because, um, you know, I actually put this in the book, but there are at least two times while I'm, I'm sitting at a light and I'm waiting for it to change and then I'm gone and then I come back. And when I come back uh, now, right before I left, the light just changed. But when I get back to my car, it hasn't changed. So then I start to move forward, realizing to kind of a little bit late that it's hasn't changed yet for the people who, you know, are sitting next to the light with me. Um, the other thing is, is I was recently taken out of my car while I was merging on the freeway. So I'm, I drive a stick shift, FYI. So I was uh, in third gear, I was about to go to fourth gear and suddenly I was gone. And when I came back, I was just sort of like, 
on the right side of the road, but not merging. And I wasn't, I was just, everybody around me was like, yeah, let's get away from this lady. You know, um, she's just hanging around on the edge and she's not doing anything. So, um, so that's what happens. I get really mad when that happens because it's so dangerous. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And um, I don't, uh, I don't appreciate it. So. So you mentioned in your book, uh, the psychic warrior by David Morehouse. And I oh, remember yeah. my dad had that book. I think my sister actually gave it to my dad. I was just talking to my sister about it, but I listened, I remember listening to that on audio and uh, it was just a cool memory of my, how open my dad was to all this kind of stuff. But, but uh, you, experiences too? no, he didn't No, He just, he just liked learning about all kinds of crazy stuff, but he did. He did get I gave him a crystal from a healer when he was in hospice Wow! and he got out of hospice for like six months. So very similar wow. to your story with your dad. I mean, I was like, Oh I, my God, I can't believe it. You gave your dad crystal, a crystal skull, I think. Right, oh, or something. Yeah. And then he, he got better for a while too. I mean, my dad got yeah. better for like six months and then finally, it finally took him down. But it was interesting that this crystal that was apparently powered up by, well, I met the Korean healer that did it, but um, yeah, it seemed to make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I mean, when uh, the crystal when the crystal skull started telling me, <laughs> which is weird because you're hearing voices, but um, when they said, you know, anytime you're on your computer, because when I was writing my book, I would feel sometimes blocked. Um, she said, just put some crystal crystal skulls in front of your uh, screen, and it should take away all that negative energy. And I'll be darned, it really worked. <laughs> nice. I had a moldavite synchronicity too at the at the 2013 uh, ufo congress i was volunteering there and and uh i met this guy we were talking back and forth and we had both been to the same shop in sedona it was like one of my favorite sort of spiritual kind of new agey shops with a bunch of crystals and all kinds of stuff and this lady behind the counter did i tell you that have you heard this before? oh i'm sure i've heard this story yeah <laughs> the lady behind the counter had these bracelets that she says are from atlantis like they're these atlantean bracelets and I bought this Moldavite rock from there and I had it in my pocket at the time. And I think I bought the book, the Moldavite book too, that one that was published 15 years ago or whatever. And the guy, uh, the guy I was talking to said, I went to that same store and I saw those same bracelets. And then he dip, reaches into his pocket and pulls out a stone that looks exactly like mine. Like we both had these Moldavite things in our pocket and after being at the same store on the same day, wow. looking at the same bracelets. Yeah. It's kind of that is wild. Yeah. That was, uh, so did you buy a, just a, a, one of those flat rocks or was it round? Or? Yeah. It was a, it was, a, it was round, but flat, but they okay. break on, but they break on me. I've broken like three or four Moldavite stones for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. They, it. it's weird. They no, not a lot of other crystals break, but those ones seem to just break. I don't know what that's all yeah. about. Well, they seem kind of thin too, and they're yeah. kind of glass. So, so how did how does remote viewing play into this? Because it, you've got a really interesting take on that. Like, you did you see something while you were, or no? Did you notice somebody see you while you were remote viewing, and then you started putting that into the bigger picture as like people around um, that are remote viewing? Well, what happened was first I you know I heard about the, the or, or what happens with me, and I don't know about you, but. I'll read a book, and if they mention a bunch of books, then I look up all those books to see if I'm interested in them, and then I read them. So um, whatever book I was reading mentioned uh, a Psychic Warrior. So I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. So I read it, 
And then I was interested in remote viewing as a thing to do. You know, maybe it would open up my, you know, more of my psychicness. Maybe I would understand, you know, more things that were going on. So I uh, took a couple of his classes. Now, initially, it started out with this one company called Sounds True. And then I guess he broke from them and maybe started his own company. I can't remember. But um, anyway, uh, so I went to... I went to that and I tried it and it wasn't too expensive. It was like $79. I tried it. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm, and I'm just going to try his actual, you know, cause it only had the first six classes or something like that. And so it wasn't complete. So then I went to davidmorehouse.com and I, um, you know, went through the classes again and um, I was, I try, I was list, I was, I was on one of my, exercises because they have he has a lot of exercises he has music where you listen to the music to get your mind kind of in the right space and then I had one of these weird experiences where first I smelled lavender and I thought well you know that could be me I mean I could be smelling lavender maybe it's my deodorant you know um so then the next time I tried it and and the way you do it is you you listen to this music and then they give you coordinates, uh, you know, like actual coordinates on a map or numbers of some type that they've associated with a certain picture. And what you do is, um, and this is called coordinate remote viewing. Then you draw a little line, like a, like a little line like that. And when you do that later, you're, you're feeling along the line with your pen to determine what, what you see in your mind. And so I was doing that, and um, this was the second time. So I'd already smelled the lavender, and I thought it was my imagination. But this time, it actually happened that I saw my – it was like I switched rooms. It was really the strangest experience ever. That's when I knew it was really real. Um, So suddenly I was in a room. I could see I was sitting in front of a computer, and there were all these CRTs. Right now, everyone has flat screens, right? So they have no idea what a CRT is. But um, it's a, you know, boxy kind of, it's a monitor with a giant back. And um, so I was obviously in some sort of place that had computers all around. There were men all around me. They were wearing, you know, casual business clothes, like a white shirt and khaki pants sort of thing. And they were drinking coffee. Now, I don't drink coffee and my husband doesn't drink coffee. So I knew, I knew that was not my imagination. Um, and so then it ended and I just thought that is the weirdest thing ever. Um, but I was, you know, into all my other things too. So later I also did, um, extended remote viewing, which is with the same David Morehouse, um, website. And, uh, this one is a little more freeform. It's not as structured. The thing about coordinate remote viewing is they make you go through all these steps, sort of like you first you put your name on the paper and then the date and then you next you do this and, this, you know, step by step linearly, which is OK. I'm a linear person, too. Uh, but the second one uh, extended is a little bit more freeform, I guess what you would call. So I followed all the instructions, but um, I ended up somewhere else. Uh, but it was OK, you know. Uh, the first time I did it. The second time I did it, uh, now when you wait, use extended remote viewing and you since you're 
it's more free form, you actually are using a mask uh, over your eyes so that to, you know, drown out all of your distractions. In this case, um, I was looking around trying to figure out where I was going and uh, I felt somebody in the room with me and they touched my eye over my mask and then it was black and that really scared me. <laughs> but um, so after these experiences, then I realized, oh, and sorry, I, I forgot about this. In my first experience with coordinate remote viewing, after the reason I left that experience and I didn't go back to it right away was because as soon as I realized that I was in that room with all the CRTs and all the people in the coffee, I heard, oh, there you are. And then I started hearing things, uh, popping, cracking, thunking. And um, I was just felt like I was being plagued by remote viewers, like they had been looking for me. And uh, they found me because I, you know, stumbled across them. And now they were hounding me in my own house, um, constantly popping, cracking, and thunking. And it was really annoying. I mean, it was like I was being hounded in my own house, followed, followed from room to room. And, you know, when you start noticing, you know, these noises, you know, sometimes you can explain it away and say, oh, it's the house settling, or, oh, you know, that was, you know, the sun hitting the glass. And that is just, you know, or it's your imagination or I, I don't hear anything. And it suddenly remind, made me think, oh, my gosh, is this what my cats are seeing? Because I don't know if you have cats or dogs, but they all, all of a sudden go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when they see something and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Well, I started to wonder, is that what they're seeing? Are they seeing remote viewers? So I just um, started really looking at that. And then when I started using my tools, I started realizing that because a lot of remote viewing is using your mind to look out at these coordinates and also, um, you know, however it, uh, the extended remote viewing works, why not use this whole same thing to look in your own mind for where what's happening to you during after a memory wipe or before? And so that's what gave me the idea. Ah. So does that, is that a part of how you figured out how to, did you use your tools to figure that out or did that help you figure out how to, to deal with this whole thing in general? Like, think, was that part of it? I think having the remote viewing experience really helped me understand what I could use my mind for yeah, yeah. rather yeah. than, you know, just wondering. But also it seemed to open my mind up in other ways. And it really, it just really opened me up a little bit. And so as much as scare, how scary it was for me to realize that I had been found by somebody and it kind of scared me, it also made me think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have so many interesting ideas now that my mind is opened up to the possibility of this. Yeah. Do you do much remote viewing since then? Or does it become like a tool in your thing? Or are you like a remote viewing person now? You get a few minutes. You do. I don't know. That I can't remote view, so I don't know. Is it like something you can do in ten minutes, or is there take? Well, you a, could. You could if you try. And if you're on. good at it, I could just like. I'm terrible <laughs> at it too. I've taken a couple of courses, and I'm terrible. <laughs> I, I'm terrible. But we have friends that do it on their podcast, and they get hits all the time. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It's. I think. I don't know. You know. I. I need to go back to it. I haven't because I've been still. You know, fighting with the ETs because I used to get um, abducted four times a night. And those are the ones I knew about. So I don't really know how many that was really. 
but now it's a lot less. And one of the reasons, and I didn't explain this very well, but I read um, Whitley Strieber's communion book. And one of the things that he talks about, which really struck me, and this is why it's important, everyone who's, who's trying to figure out your own situation, is I realized that he said the screen. Now, oh, before that, you know, your memory is wiped. So anytime you come back, your memory is wiped. And I used to remember a little black rectangle. That's all I could remember. And I always considered that as a part of my memory wipe. So what happens is, uh, so I always thought, well, how can you do anything with that? Because you don't know what happened prior. Well, um, Whitley Strieber said that the, um, the dreams that you have are screen memories. And the screen memories are created by your own mind to protect you from whatever trauma you had dealt with. Mm-hmm. So if you can think of it like that, and you can also look at remote viewing, then you can also then extrapolate, well, if this is a screen memory that my mind gave me to protect me, I can then use the tools that I found to look behind the screen memory and find out what's really happening before the memory wipe. Right. So that's what I started doing. And that's how I pieced together everything that was happening to me. And that's how I started fighting, fighting back. Wow. Yeah. That's, I thought there was a connection there. So let's talk yeah. about the fighting back then, because you mentioned in, in, in some of the, the solutions, supposed solutions to uh, demonic attacks and incubus and shadow people, all that is, is like in the name of Jesus kind of thing, right? You can say like, oh, you know, I leave me alone in the name of Jesus or whatever that, that thing, that phrase would be. Can't think of it off the top of my head. Baby Jesus. But, uh, but you, you mentioned Yahweh in your book too, like more of the ancient sort of deity in a way like the god of all gods maybe or something but what right. like what was that part of your so i got a few questions on it like you tried the 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 jesus thing i think didn't you and it didn't really yeah. did it didn't really work what about yeah. uh what about the yahweh thing and then and then the silent part like you mentioned in your book that some of that your your deletion of your cancellation of entities you do in silence because yes. they can okay. hear you. So I'm just at sort of all three of those kind of things. Okay. Well, with Yahweh, now, um, I, I had really never heard the word. I'm, I'm sort of a former Catholic. Um, so I actually hadn't, hadn't heard the word Yahweh. Uh, but when I was going to the medium, she had used it a couple of times. And I thought, okay, you know. But what happened to me was um, now, uh, you know, my right eye, it's, it's the opposite on this movie, uh, on this video. but. Um, my right eye is, um, you know, has a problem. And, um, so, uh, I, it gets dry. I have dry eye. So, um, in the middle of the night, sometimes I'll find my eye wide open and cold and dry and I can't see out of it. So uh, I keep, you know, eye drops next to my bed. So what happened was one night I woke up and my eye was dry, but I realized I couldn't see out of my other eye either. And I was really upset by it. And so I felt around for my um, eye drops and I put some in. And when I did that, um, nothing happened. (laughs) So, uh, and it was in both eyes and I was really upset. So I started pacing, I got up out of bed. I started pacing around in my living room, trying to figure out what to do. This was this a permanent situation was I had, and I, at the time I danced a lot. I was a, a country dancer. 
So I was like, no dancing, no driving, you know, what kind of a life am I going to have? I mean, because if I couldn't get rid of this, you know, if I couldn't see by putting eye drops in, what was I going to do? And then some, for some reason, um, the word Yahweh popped into my head. And I thought, hey, I have nothing to lose. So I started saying Yahweh, you know, I'm not a singer, but you can imagine it. And um so I kept saying that over and over, and all of a sudden, my ears, my eyes just started clearing up bit by bit, and pretty soon, it was clear. And I just was so amazed by that. So then, after I realized it worked from my eyes, I thought, you know, this is me. Well, what else can I use that for? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I started trying it on everything. You know, anytime I felt any negativity in the room, I do Yahweh a couple of times. I did it out loud. I did it in, you know, in silence. I did it in my head only, and yeah, it works really, really well. Now, I had no idea. Uh, earlier, yeah, I had tried the Jesus Christ, and I had tried everything. You know, I had looked on Mars. There was some website, I think it's called Mars Tech or something like that, where they, you know, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, and, you know, all that kind of thing. And that didn't work. But Yahweh, why does Yahweh work? So at, at that point, I... I didn't care why it worked. I really was just hap so happy that I could see. And also that I had found, uh, stumbled upon a tool that would help me in other things. Now, one thing I found is that, and this was happening while I was writing my book too, was everything I wrote down, because um, I write it in my a notebook in cursive, which apparently is a language a lot of people can't read anymore because they don't teach it in schools. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. But it's a great idea to write it all down. Like you have all these patterns, like the beginning of the month pattern and all that. Like I think it's fantastic to write it all down. Just like if you're trying to analyze your dreams or lucid exactly, dreaming. Exactly, exactly. So, do you, do you uh, think the Yahweh and the Jesus Christ connection was maybe a personal thing? Like just how – because you never heard of Yahweh, so maybe that's just coming into you as a little more mysterious, whereas Jesus powerful, Christ yeah. is maybe, you know, he's, he's, got the connotations. he's a little more mainstream, a little more, you know, you're driving by a bunch of Jesus Christ every day. There's Jesus Christ on every corner. Maybe. I don't actually know. I mean, I wish I could understand uh, why that word was so powerful and why it wasn't, um, and why Jesus Christ or... The Holy Ghost or, you know, I, I mean, I had tried everything. And so I have no idea why uh, it was. But I, being, uh, you know, kind of Catholic, I really didn't use those words that much in my daily life. I mean, I remember praying a lot when I was younger and, um, you know, then being afraid not to pray because I didn't know what would happen if I didn't pray and, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> um, but I didn't really, you know, God as in terms of, you know, religion wasn't really a huge part of my life. So I actually don't know why it worked. I, I don't know if it's because it's so ancient. I don't know, but it really worked. It really helped me right then. And it helps, it has helped me in other times too, when nothing else worked. So I don't know, got me. Um, about the silent thing, one of the things I found was that they are extremely, uh, they're listening to me all the time. So FYI, my computer is compromised, and also is so is my phone. So when you say they in this aspect, it's the ETs and the humans, or I believe so. Yeah. I believe they work. Some of them work together, and um, and I believe AI is involved. Actually, I mean that's not in my book, but 
because one of the things that I kept happening in my, um, first of all, I've found that if I said anything out loud, then they, it would be blocked. So I wouldn't be able to use it again. Um, so I stopped talking about it and I just put it in my journal and I would write down what would happen in my cursive. Um, the other thing that would happen is when I was writing my book and I was, um, you know, trading edits back and forth with my editor, um, a lot of weird things would happen, you know, um, and there would the, the computer file would would have the same date stamp as it had when I sent it to him, but yet it would have all these weird changes. So I really think that AI is involved in some of these things too, because how else would you change a document but have the same exact timestamp? Maybe there are ways, maybe I don't know. But one of the things that happened um, was with my book was they would add words, you know, they would have they, they, two, two, BB, can, can, you know, stuff like that. Um, and so I would have sent it back and I would have uh, already done the spell check and they would have caught all those double words. But yeah, when George, my editor, got it, he would have all these strange, you know, double words in it that weren't there. <laughs> or this is my favorite one. I would have not, you know, to say this doesn't happen or doesn't work. And they would take out the not. So... <laughs> Wow. Um, but one of the strangest things that happened that was really upsetting to George was that um, so when we were doing when we we're sending out ads back and forth, I would have in my document because we were using compare documents, which shows the document with changes at the same time as a, kind of like a combination. He would have his comments, you know, it would say George and then, you know, blah, blah, blah his comments. And then it would have Lisa, my comments, and, you know, he would say, well, you need to explain this more. You need to take this out or whatever. So uh, on one of the last revisions, um, I sent it to him. And when he got it, my comments were switched with his. So his comments were my comments and vice versa. And there was a third commenter in there, and it was named Admin. <laughs> and it deleted a bunch of stuff. Wow. So, and again, no change in the date stamp. So what's going on there? So because I have to be, so that's why I asked my readers to please, if they're learning stuff about themselves, to write it down in their notebook, but don't say it out loud because that will make them block. And even in my book, I was trying to be very, I wanted to be as honest as possible about how I use the tools and what I say and what I don't say. But and when I wrote it down in my book initially, um, then it stopped working and I had to regroup. So um, that's why I caution everyone that, you know, to be to try not to talk about it too much and try not to say things out loud. Say it to yourself only because yeah. they're listening to you. Well, yeah. And there's the other the other component of it is is like the magician is not supposed to talk about his his process or whatever in detail. And I mean, right. we've had we've we talk about this on the show where that I had this, this protection thing done to stop this incubus attack on somebody. And the time, the day that I, the day after I gave that specific detail to somebody, which is kind of what you're saying. I think it overlaps. It's like you give away that power somehow or something happens and it right. happened. Then the attack happened that next day and it hadn't right. happened for months or I don't know, maybe even years before that. So there's some sort of, it's not just, I don't even think it's just an AI thing. There's some spiritual axiom there. There's some, there's something weird about that. 
It's like we have to figure it out on our own and we can't share those specific details. Right. Or if you do, maybe you should be in the same room and just pass notes. <laughs> I mean, because they're, you know, I can't figure out a way um, to keep that information, you know, to yourself, you know, and that's the hard part because when I wrote this book, I wanted to share you know, what I found and give as much detail as possible. But at the same time, as soon as you do that, it doesn't work anymore. So I wanted people to read the book and I gave you the tools and how I use them Yeah. Uh, at the time. And then you um, utilize it and maybe you come up with your own ways of using it. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. Get to a certain level of detail, but then stop and then let leave the details to everybody's personal preference preference in a way exactly and, and uh, you know i i know you probably thought this too uh, people have mentioned it to me i used to be a trainer and so um i added some level of repetition i did that because i wanted people to remember certain aspects of it you know and not have to keep flipping back and forth so if you found it a little repetitive i'm sorry but i was a trainer and uh, there's a certain point where the, your eyes glaze over and you can't remember it so <laughs> sorry so about that so can you talk more about the solution itself? Like what, without getting yeah. into too many details, but what you actually like the formula that kind of works for you? Well, um, you know, I have, uh, well, there are two things and these are in the book, but um, I, I, I got these books. Uh, they're from uh, Stuart Swerdlow wrote these two books yeah. and he wrote a lot of other books. So make sure you get those two. But one is the hyperspace helper, and the other one is healing archetypes and symbols. And you can see on this book, this is the brown X that I use. Right. And right. Um, also, uh, this one is uh, ultimate protection. So, um, and I just wrote the words in there because I didn't want to get into copyright issues with uh, Stuart Swordlow. Um, and also in the hyperspace helper. Now, in this book, there are tons of other. Um, of other exercises and I recommend you use them all if you can because you want to look into your own mind and see what's going on so um and not just the way I do it you know but definitely do it the way I do it and then branch off into your own uh whatever you find that works the best for you but what I started doing was when I found that book the hyperspace helper and I bought them again, again with all of the healing books. This one I bought because it had the word healing in it. So, um, and and that turns out to be one of the most important books I could have ever bought. But initially, um, after I realized that all of the um, my dreams were actually screen memories, which made sense to me because initially I, um, well, all through my life, I would hear about how dreams are yearly you and Every, everyone and everything in the dream is you. Well, that didn't really make sense to me. It didn't resonate with me. What resonated with me was how I felt in a dream. So when I had that dream of, you know, losing my wallet, leaving my purse behind, being in that class where I don't remember signing up for it, but I'm obviously in the class or I never dropped it or, you know, whatever, that stress dream. I always felt stressed. So I thought that meant I was stressed in my life. But what I've come to realize that it actually means that I'm stressed and my mind is giving me something that actually makes me feel like I can grasp the stress part of it. So now I know that 
behind the dream, I'm actually having stress too, but my mind is giving me something typical, something I've done before or something that I can think of as stress, but without giving me any horror trauma. So um, when I started using uh, that book, The Hyperspace Helper, I found a uh, exercise in it called the um, Green Spiral Staircase. The Green Spiral Staircase is basically a way for you to look in your own mind. And so what you do is you think for a minute, uh, you put your body in uh, a medium green color, your whole entire body, um, on your uh, pineal gland, which is right there, your, your third eye, you put it into a royal blue color. Stuart Swordlow is big on colors and it does seem to really work. Green is about memory. And so that's why you put the green on. Um, so then in your mind's eye, you put your dream or your anxiety. Now, one of the things I found is that you can use this for any negative emotion. It's not just for dreams and ETs and all that, but let's say that you have, for instance, for me, I had claustrophobia. So all my life, I ha did not have claustrophobia until I reached the age of 40. So I thought, well, what the heck? Where did this come from? So I decided to use the green spiral staircase to look at, to look at my um, <clears throat> claustrophobia. And I drilled down. So let me explain how it works. So, so in, after your, uh, your pineal gland is in um, royal blue and your body is in medium green, you, th you close your eyes and you think to yourself, I see a medium green spiral staircase in front of me. You get on it. You start walking down. You walk down into the spiral staircase until you feel compelled to step off. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you step off, you should see a scene in front of you. And the scene is telling you what was behind your dream. That's how you see things. But the way you see it is you see it as a way as a, um, as a movie. You do not participate in it. You just look at it <clears throat> so that you can see what's going on. And then when you're done, you go back up the spiral staircase because sometimes the scene ends. And, uh, and sometimes it doesn't, but it just gives you the gist. It doesn't give you every detail. It just gives you what you need to know about that situation. Then when it's done, you walk back up to the staircase where you started, you stop, and then you put yourself in the brown color, which grounds you. Then you write it all down. <laughs> so when you're <clears throat> using this, for instance, for claustrophobia, like I did, I, you know, put myself in medium green. I put my um, pineal gland in blue. I walk down to the spiral staircase thinking about claustrophobia. And then I said, what's behind that? And they said, fear. And I said, okay, what's behind that? You know, because I need to drill down to the bottom of what is behind each thing. And they said, panic. And I said, what's behind that? Black. What's behind that? A coffin. <laughs> so I was so as soon as I did that um I felt like I'd cleared it so I went back up the spiral staircase I put myself in brown and then I then was in one of those float pods the type that you um you know have uh, epsom salts in it and you float for a little while I don't know if you've heard about that yeah yeah float tanks yeah yeah there was one near my house so <clears throat> And in the, the 
before that I could not close the door all the way. Um, I had to put like one of those little round foam things in the door. <laughs> so now I can close the door. I can close the door all the way. So I feel like I've cleared that. Now, uh, a couple of other people have tried it. Uh, one of another show I was on, he tried it on his anxiety. And he said that he saw a green uh, like field and he felt calmness and then he could sleep. So your experiences will be different than my experiences, but it's a way of clearing out your negative emotions, anxiety, panic, despair, maybe depression. I don't know, but look into it because it's not just for ETs. It's for figuring out what's holding you back. What fear is holding you back? Because, you know, a lot of things are based in fear. For instance, procrastination, which I suffer from, is actually based in fear. And so if you can drill down, you can get rid of it. Cool. That's great. Yeah, that's great. What's the book called again? Where can our listeners track it down? Hyperspace uh, well, Helper. This book is called The Hyperspace Helper from, and it's Stuart Swerdlow. Sorry. Yeah. And um, then the other one, and I actually request that you buy these books in my book too, so that you can um, read them. But it basically, it's Healing Archetypes and Symbols by Stuart Swerdlow. You can get them both on Amazon. Um, both of those, uh, the Green Spiral Staircase and the Brown X and the Protection Symbol are both in my book as well. But you might as well, if you're serious on this quest to find out what's happening to you, you might as well go all the way and buy those books and study them and, you know, go, go through all the exercises because it's really helpful. And you use the Brown X as a cancellation tool for negative, yes. negative entities, right? Absolutely. So when I use the green spiral staircase for, let's say, my dream where I'm um, feeling very, um, where I felt stressed or any dream, actually, I mean, I started started it with the stress dreams and now I just do any strange dream I have. I look behind it. And when I get, get to all of those, you know, spiders, you know, or pe people putting me into a big water tank uh, and all that, I just use the brown X and I brown X out everything in that scene. And then um, I continue from there. I keep doing that because you, you need to, you know, 86, all of those things. And also um, I've used it for, I've tried to use it for various, you know, illnesses or diseases, and I haven't found the complete, exact, perfect wording for that. But, you know, I'm, I'm still working at it. But I'm only being abducted once a night now, and so it does work. And it just you just need to put the time in. So y'all, so Yahweh, the cancellation, some of the other protection symbols in there that you put around yourself, pyramids and triangles and that kind of stuff. And, right. and the octahedron, well, actually, octahedron you use quite a bit. Yeah, that's actually from Stuart Swerdlow. Yeah. It's a, called the ultimate protection. Right. And it, um, yeah, it's basically a violet. Violet is a very important color, apparently not purple, but violet, octahedron, a tetrahedron. And then I'll put a, a golden circle around and then a golden uh, triangle. So... Um, it just feels like sometimes you just need a little extra protection. And it seems like, uh, you know, geometry is a really uh, interesting thing that, you know, they talk about how everything's geometry. Well, I agree, because it seems like these symbols are all some sort of geometric symbols. And so they re really work really well. So you just got to find the um, 
what works best for you yeah. when you're using it. Right on. Sounds awesome. Good. Yeah. Thanks. Where can our listeners track you down if they want to, or if you want them tracking you down? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. In, in um, physical space, not remote viewing. Like, how do we find you in yeah. the, in the ether? Be a couple of in the real world. Um, well, I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, I have a, a Facebook page called Abducted and Furious. And I also have a Facebook group called Ab- Abducted and Furious with Lisa O'Hara. It is a private group, so you don't have to worry about you know, telling your story and you can also email me at abducted and furious at yahoo.com. Nice. What does Facebook think about these kind of groups? Um, you Still know, I don't know. Now? It's a good question, but there's tons of groups, uh, out there. I mean, I think every podcast has a Facebook group, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether they're public or not. Um, well, I don't know. Facebook is getting kind of weird now, I think, because, um, it seems like uh, every once in a while, like for instance, I talked about La Ho Chi and I couldn't type in the lahochi.com, which was just the words lahochi.com. Wow. And I kept getting an error saying, um, this says this is against our community standards. It's like what oh part my of this? God. See, yeah, that's getting crazy. We're getting shadow banned a little bit too. Our whole existence is against the community really? standards. What's happening to you guys? <laughs> oh, we tend to push back pretty hard against things. <laughs> We so got like, we got banned from like oh, we got, didn't get banned, but we got warnings from like five different places in the span of two days, including our clothing manufacturer. What? Yeah, so that means we're having a good week. We're pushing we're back again, back against vaccines a little bit too hard, and uh, Instagram posts getting taken down, and Facebook sending notices that we're not they're not going to be showing our stuff as much, and uh, what I mean, wow. yeah, it's just it's getting crazy. So yeah, so- they can't take a joke. <laughs> They are getting weird, but I think that they had, you know, they didn't do enough for a long time and now they're like overcorrecting. Exactly. Yes. Big overcorrections and, and one way corrections as well. But Yeah. But well, we'll that's one of the problems. I mean, even with YouTube, right. They're like, well, we don't like what you're saying. You know, yeah. I mean, look what happened to president Trump. Yeah, exactly. He just got banned all outright. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for uh, coming on. We'll put links to our show notes uh, in our show notes for all your stuff. And uh, yeah, good luck with your book. Thank good you. luck with the abductions. Hopefully you get that down to like once a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be nice. That would be very nice. <laughs> Keep us Thank in the loop much. on how it goes. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will. I'll, if I, when I write my next book, I'll, I'll contact you again. Okay. Thanks, okay. Lisa. Thanks, yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now was a chat with Lisa O'Hare. What'd you think, buddy? <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, resonated with me on many different levels. I'm telling you, when I read about, when I was reading it about the, uh, the David Morehouse book and the Moldavite crystal she talked about and her dad healing from a crystal out of, uh, out of, um, what do you call that again? Out of uh, hospice or palliative care. And then the whole just keeping things silent, like that's such a weird, a weird thing. I wanted to talk about on another podcast about that recently, so I'm gonna get got my chance keeping now. Keeping things silent, just about giving away the secret or keeping things like why do we have to figure it out on our own and we can't tell people the details? Like from a spiritual perspective, trying to block evil and demonic. Why? Why is that law there? Is it there? Yeah, dude, it's happened. It happens. You're talking to the mic. It happens. Do you think it, uh, maybe it's just our own, like, 
I know, I know. Maybe blockage. it's our intention, our it's blockage. Our own, like, I, know, cultural, I know. As a culture, I, we're just we can't. No, no dude, I don't want to hear about it. It's like talking about jerking off in high school. You can't talk about that, dude. Shit. The vampires still got to ask for their the way in. That's not our fault. Do they? Yeah. Is that why the elites tell us when they're up to shady exactly, shit? Exactly, dude. It's, uh, they like vampires? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Big thanks to uh, Lisa for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, if you guys like what you hear and you want to hear more, check out the back catalog if you haven't done that. I mean, we should mention the back catalog more. We really should. There's like, yeah. I think we're, we're almost at 500 episodes now. Yeah, it's all free. It's all free. It goes back. I mean, I don't know if the There's Apple podcast player goes man. all the like, way back, but most of them go all the way back. I know, like if you once the Gramerica 2.0 feed is is fully launched, and so I'm really beta testing it hard now with a few hundred people, but uh, it goes all the way back to episode one, even in the Apple podcast player. I'm pretty sure that's great. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different topics we discuss in there. You know, lucid dreaming and a lot of stuff that overlaps with what she was talking about: abductions and UFOs and consciousness and remote viewing and meditation and spirituality and all kinds of stuff. So if you ever, you know, if you want to, if you're curious and I don't know, just email me and I'll give you a list of the people I think that you might like if you're interested in certain topics. Do you still have a good running list or have you lost? No, I, I like lost, when people lost it for sure, tech, email me now and they're like, give me your top five. It's just I like, know. Oh. dude, there's 500 <laughs> fucking people there. Like, come on, it's too much. And it just shifts constantly. But that's the thing. It just, whatever's on the top of your head right now. Yeah. So check out that back catalog. If you guys are getting some value from the podcast, adding a little value to your day, your commute, your gym, whatever you're, wherever you're listening, your work, uh, making your work suck less. How much less? $2 less, $3 less, $5 less. Head over to grindamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly if you can. Make a one-time donation. Yeah, it's what helps us pay the bills, keep the lights on, hopefully keep improving, keep growing, and keep trying new things. Uh, speaking of which, let us know if you, if you notice a difference in the audio this episode, because this will be the first interview that we tried rolling out some new stuff. Ah. Some new recording style. I'm going to, uh, some new editing process I'm going to try out. So let us know if, if you notice a difference on this show compared Specifically, to the last one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, anything else? That's about it, I guess. Yeah. Spam, Just email, gram, spam. Email them. Uh, what else? Check Chats. Out and podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter. Chats. That's big time. We got to get everybody in the newsletter. Get us on the newsletter so that when we when we when things go down, we can just email, we can yeah. email everybody. America.ca slash news. Outlawed. Outlawed Grammarica. Outlawed.ca. I mean, if you just go to Grammarica.ca, you can get to everywhere. You can get to the swag store from there. You can get to Outlawed. You can get to the audiobooks. Everything's at Grammarica.ca. It really has become our home base. Yeah, check out some audiobooks. That's a good way to support the show. Give some give some Reviews, I'm still a little insecure about the narration, so if you put some good reviews in there, it might help us sell some more books. Graham, insecure narrator Dunlop. <laughs> well, right, that's guys. weird, dude. I bet. Like, you get in this zone, and then you think, oh my God, it's terrible. All right, guys. Thank the YouTube. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. I sat on the could see it all. Trickery was afoot, and evil was at its root. The people were scattered plots, not many could connect the dots. Some people stood tall.
in spite of their righteous voices made small. Put down your phone, your souls turn to stone. The rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison. I'm shocked and appalled At the technocracy's gone Pulling strings of marionettes Setting traps in cybernets Infinite scroll as addictive as cigarettes Cat videos for freedom of the press People that stand tall In spite of our righteous voices made small Put down your phone Your souls turn to stone The rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism Created this prison Double click on install. Rome's about to fall. This hard drive is corrupted, and our minds have been abducted by a silicon dream so seductive. When yelling at bots becomes unproductive. People, we need to stand tall. In spite of our righteous voices made small. Put down your phone. Your souls turn to stone. The rhythm of the algorithm has driven a schism, created this prison.